Well, we are continuing in our Heroes series, and, uh, uh, oh, Damien, I forgot the, the clicker, so if you can find that, but the rest of us, turn to Ecclesiastes 3, just kind of open your Bible in the middle and take a, a soft left, all right? Open the middle and take a soft left, and that should land you somewhere around Ecclesiastes, unless you've got a massive concordance in the back of your Bible. Uh, and and uh, you will find, it's just, your Bible should look something like that, right? Actually, I once had a, a pastor tell me your Bible should look something like that, right? The shellac should be knocked off of it. So, we're doing a series called Heroes. Why are we doing that series? For no really good reason, Right? I'm going to tell you why, and, and you're, going to, you're going to, with the mind of the skeptic, say, really, Pastor Jer? So the value of this series, you're going to hear a lot about over the next two weeks. This series was put together to inspire us, but it's also been put together to be something to draw in those who do not know what real heroes are. This is an opportunity for you to reach out to friends. Those that say that the church doesn't understand reality. Those that say that the Bible is antiquated. Those that struggle in seeking and pursuing God. There may not ever be a more pragmatic or practical series that I will ever preach than this one. So let's not let it go to waste on those who have great deep spiritual wisdom and understanding. Which of course is all of you. So, what are we talking about? What is our point of reference? Well, Heroes, the reason I got inspired to this is because there was a recent movie out of Marvel that completed a 22-movie storyline, and it's made over a billion dollars. When anything makes over a billion dollars, we should kind of look at the cultural relevance to that. So, I'm speaking about Marvel's Endgame movie that came out in May. And a big part of that is, is this prop I have right here. And uh, this prop was worn by the bad guy. And he went around the universe and he gathered these, these stones, which each have some kind of a magical... Uh, by the way, I'm going to activate it, so be careful. All right? So, see? See? Look, you're all smiling. You love it. Aubrey's even smiling. Look, Aubrey's smiling. How you doing over there? Um... You just like all the sound effects, don't you? Call me. No, I don't think Thanos ever said that. Um, so each of these stones has an incredible power, and the way that the story goes is if he could collect all of these stones, each one having a unique ability, he could just snap his fingers and eliminate half of the people in the entire universe, which is what happened in the previous movie, and then... Ergo, Endgame, the movie that just happened, uh, they try to fix it, but they can only fix it through the power of these stones. Now, here's what's interesting. That's just a comic book story. And yet, billions of dollars was made. Why? That's what compelled me to look at this sermon series. Because we need heroes. 
We need inspiration to pull us out of the, the regular doldrums of, and, and conflict and challenges of our life. We need hope, amen? amen? And so because of that, we have a whole world spending a billion dollars on one movie that doesn't have any ability to change anything. But it is fascinating how everything in the storyline comes straight out of Hebrews chapter 11. So that is what we're doing in this sermon series is we're looking at true heroes, real heroes that existed, real heroes that responded to the power of God and saw miraculous things happen that changed the reality of life for so many. And actually, in effect, if we draw on that same power of being God, it can truly change our life as well. So this morning, we're talking about time, the time stone. I don't know, it's one of these up here. I think it's this one right here. You press it, we can go. So how many of you have ever wanted to do this, right? The old adage of travel and time. If you could go forward in time, where would you go? I just, I just want to test you. How many, of you. how many of you would go to find out who wins the Super Bowl next year? Or who wins the World Series this year? Or who anything you could place a huge bet on, right? Forget all that. Just what are the winning lottery numbers, right? How many of you, that's what would be your first draw? If I could move forward in time or backwards in time. You know what's interesting is if we could move backwards in time, maybe we would do something to stop John Wilkes Booth from assassinating President Lincoln. Maybe some of us would want to invest in Apple right when it did its IPO. Right? Maybe some of us have seen some horrific things happen and if we had just had the time we could have saved somebody, right? If we could go back in time and just put ourselves in a different position, we could have done something. Maybe it would be about going forward in time and getting a cure for those of our family members or friends of ours that are suffering tremendously, and eventually there will be a cure. What would you do if you could wield the power of time? Isn't that a heavy idea? So much responsibility in that. Well, this morning, I want to take a time out. All right? I want to take a time out. Kind of what the warriors need to do right now. Why do we call for timeouts? Because we need to stop events from happening. Right? We need to stop events from happening. We need to get caught up. We need to rest. That may be some of you this morning. You may be calling for a timeout. Anybody? Not, not rhetorical, literally. If you want to raise your hand, you can raise your hand on that. You may need a time out this morning. Well, this morning, the, the sermon title, and you can find uh, uh, sermon notes in your bulletin. You can pull those out. We'll have some things on the screen. The title this morning is A Time for Everything, and I love the timing of this because if you all know our, our worship leader, Joe, he, he's got a, a, a penchant, a love for the classics. And I said nothing I just put down Ecclesiastes 3, 
and I put a time for everything as a title, and you can guess what's coming. If you're over 35, you can guess what's coming. So just get ready for it. But let me help you a little bit again, this idea of the time stone. There's Doctor Strange. Uh, that's a weird name, but... So Doctor Strange, and what's interesting is this is the scene in the previous movie where uh, all of a sudden Spider-Man, or somebody says, does your friend always do that? And, and they look over, and he's just kind of doing this. And they find out, what is he doing? He went forward in time to look for a solution to all the ways that they could win. And Iron Man asks him, so how many ways, or how many things did you see? 14 million, some hundred thousand, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so you get the gravity of the situation. It says, In how many do we win? One. Only one way do we win. Think about the magnitude. If you could move forward in time, if you could move back in time, what would you do? Well, let me just share with you, God doesn't give us that ability. So what, are, what is Pastor Jeremy going to do with this this morning? Hmm. I'm glad you asked that question. First of all, we're going to go to Ecclesiastes 3. And I started thinking through this, and I went like four different directions, and then I started thinking about uh, this idea of something I preached probably 25 years ago, um, called the dash. I had a sermon title called the dash. Now you cannot say that the dash, the dash, the dash, the dash. Saying that for you know Big Brother that's listening out there. Um, so I had a sermon title called that, and now Hallmark has copyrighted it. You know you cannot preach a sermon called the dash anymore. Aha! So it's not my first rodeo. So we changed it up, and the idea behind it is when. When we have that moment where we uh, attend a funeral or um, eventually for ourselves, uh, for many of us, there will be a marker. For many of our family, friends, we've attended those places and there's, there's been a marker to memorialize the individual. And there's always the date of birth and then the day that they went home to be with the Lord but there's something in between those two things, which is what? It's the dash. Well, since I'm not allowed to say that legally, I changed it. And so this morning I want to talk about this idea of walking the line. I want to reclassify it as walking the line. I'm going to borrow from the man in black, Johnny Cash. Just He wrote this great, great song, and it doesn't have any spiritual implications necessarily. It's a love song to his wife, but the ideas of commitment and devotion and what we're going to look at this morning truly fit within this song. So I, that's where I want to take you. And that line is that time between when we're born and, and when we pass and how it's displayed on a grave marker. That's the line, folks. Now the question is, how are you walking that line? Because how we walk it is what will be memorialized. What are we doing with the time that God has given to us? Because all the time that we have here, all the memories, all the moments, and so I went looking for a definition of time, and 
So what is time? I, I wrote this down. Measured moments of memories and monuments. All right? Measured moments of memories and monuments. And isn't it interesting? I, I didn't talk about numbers, 12 hours versus military clock versus this. That is just a way to measure. It's just a way to measure. Measure what? Measure memories? My daughter graduated recently. We had a graduation uh, a party last night, and I made a little movie from all these pictures from throughout uh, uh, her high school years. Those were moments in time. And I was in the other room when she showed it to her friends. I could hear people yelling. Mary Ann was yelling because she was in one picture, and, and uh, she's all, look, I'm on TV. No, she didn't say that. But there's these moments in time that really specify or clarify what we've done with what God has given us. Does this sound familiar? The parable of the talents. What did you do with what I gave you? That line between when we're born and when we pass, that's the line, folks. How are we walking it? How are we walking it? What memories are we making? What monuments are we building that will have significance that's what takes me to Ecclesiastes 3. And you can turn there this morning. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. And it, it goes further, and I'll leave that for you to continue to, to look at. We're going to sing it a little bit later. But wisdom is dictating here that time gives us moments during our life where we experience life. We write life. We create memories. We create moments, either to the negative or to the positive. It all depends on we, how we walk that line. So when we think time this morning, I don't necessarily want you to think about going forward in time, going backward in time. It's all frivolous. What you and I have to deal with, my friends, is what are we doing with the line we've been given? Only the Lord knows how long or how short that line is. And so this morning... My encouragement to you is going to come in four, four points related to time. Number one, uh, well, we have the value of time, right? So, actually, I'm going to take you back to Hebrews, which is our key passage. And so turn there, Hebrews 11. And we're going to be in four different sections of Scripture this morning. And Hebrews 11 is a passage that is often referred to or termed as the Hall of Faith or the Hall of Fame. The unifying characteristic amongst all of these patriarchs and matriarchs in Scripture is that they acted in faith. As we look at these moments, some will be familiar, some may not be all that familiar, but they are heroic. They fit within the context of what we would make movies out of. Today, we're really going to focus on Moses. 
How many people, first of all, Christian Bale is a, is, is a big, uh, uh, I, I really like his, his body work, but he does not compare to Charlton Heston when it comes to Moses. So just go back to Charlton Heston. The Christian Bale movie was absolutely horrible. Don't mess with perfection. But the reality is the real Moses is the one we want to look at. Hopefully you see what I'm doing, especially if you're visiting today. I, I'm not that enamored with media. I'm trying to do a, a tension of how what we try to say is unique or inspirational falls way short from the real heroes. All right? So this morning, let me read out of Hebrews uh, 11, 32 through 38. This is the main text of where we're going to be this morning, 32 through 38. And it says, And what more shall I say? I'm sorry, 22 through 28. I wrote that wrong. I'm going to start in 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward." By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. This morning, this idea of the value of time speaks to Moses' life and the Hebrew nation and Pharaoh. And let me take you through uh, real briefly, um, this idea of the value of time. Moses started out a fugitive, started out with a curse upon him. How many of you, if you were told that you had to give up your son to the government? that he would be killed just because it was the edict of the Pharaoh, would go willingly and hand over your infant child. Doesn't that sound horrific? I have really struggled the last three months with humanity. The horrific things we do. We seem to be fairly impressed with ourselves and with others. Now, when I say this, this happened how long ago? Millennia, millennia, millennia. And yet, do you know there are governments around the world that require that if you have more than two children, that you instantly kill your next? In China, there are so many times where if you 
have a daughter, they're just simply abandoned to die. This is who we are as people. We are Nineveh. We are Nineveh. And so imagine being thrust into that situation and those conditions and you give birth to a child and you are required to have that child killed. How much time would you want with your baby? Did you catch what God gave to Moses' parents? Did you hear it or did you just gloss over it? Three months were given to them. And the story, the legend, the truth was that they were not afraid of the king. That's heroic. They said, we will not do that to our child. And they had three months. And then in a heroic value of time, they valued that three months, they valued the time that they had with their child, but they realized eventually they would, they would be found out and the child would be killed. So imagine as a parent, that you had to release your child into a river and just hope that God would take care of your child. And many of us know the story. He did. He did. The value of time. What about the Hebrew nation? How long was the Hebrew nation subjugated in Egypt? Treated horrifically. They went down initially with Joseph and his brothers there was a famine in the promised land and it started out great but it ended up with them in subjugation to the Egyptians. And they were miserable. And it was over 400 years. Think time mattered to them? Do you think when Moses came along, when Aaron and his sister said, it is time, when God said, it is time to let my people go, do you think that that, that rang of truth and inspiration, the very thing that they were waiting for, what are you waiting for? What big event are you waiting for that would change your life, that consumes you every day? Can I just encourage you, lay it before the Lord. He has His perfect time. He has His perfect time. A big, a big part of the challenge here as well is the value of time that Pharaoh never understood. You see, Pharaoh held a stiff neck for a very long time. And it cost his nation deeply. It cost his household deeply. He didn't understand the preeminent power of God Himself. And he, he held a stiff neck towards God. And he just figured, I'll just hold out because I've got the time. I'm the one that's in control here. And he ran out of time crossing the Red Sea, didn't he? The value of time. I think that was in his mind as he was leading his army across a place where the Hebrews, the lowly Hebrews, just walked right through. And the mighty Pharaoh and the mighty Egyptian army 
No offense, Egyptians. The mighty Egyptian army followed, saying, if they can do it, we can do it. And I think as they saw the waters come back in, they thought, we're out of what? We're out of time. Who controls time? The Lord does. The Lord does. Next is the challenge of time. John eleven twenty one speaks to this. I'm, I'm going to be in some different stories here to help us understand this. We always want to see uh, how, <clears throat> how Jesus factors into this. So this is the story of Jesus' friend Lazarus who passes, and Jesus and the disciples are, uh, <clears throat> are a ways up, uh, probably up in the Decapolis area. Lazarus was down in the area and region of Jericho. Uh, or, or Bethany slash Jericho, and news came to Jesus that Lazarus was very sick, and Jesus waited. Jesus waited. How many of us have gotten so frustrated because somebody didn't show up on time? Next time you get frustrated because somebody didn't show up on time, I want you to think of this story where Mary and Martha's brother dies, and they know they are confident in faith. Jesus could have healed him. Why would you do that? Why would you waste your what? Why would you waste your time? Remember, Jesus is walking his line. Jesus is walking his line. And when we are faced with some of these very challenging things in life, the challenge of time, why didn't I have more time? Why, didn't, why did the, the, the memory stop here? says Mary and Martha. When you could have done so much more, and yet we know the answer to the story, don't we? And so Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And yet we know the end of the story. That God has His purposes, and ultimately the reason they had to go through that grief. By the way, this is the part where it says that Jesus wept. My theory about why Jesus wept is because of the, the sharp point of the spear of sin. That it was because of sin that his own friend had to unrighteous or, or unfairly die in order that this miracle would happen so people would understand. Because the Lord cares about all people. Some of us have suffered under this challenge of time. Some of us have unfairly lost those that we love deeply. On a pragmatic level, what can I offer you? I can offer you this. There are those who had less time. There are those who had less time. But as you think about that line of whether it's a parent that was cut short in life or a child that was cut short in life, you, you question, you say, God, why would you do It's because of sin. It is because of sin, not because of God. But time does not stop, just our line stops, and we don't know when that is going to happen. But the beauty and the answer, the only answer I can offer you today is that time does not stop under God's economy there. You will be gathered just as David said, when he lost his child as a result of what? Sin. David stopped weeping. He stopped fasting. 
He washed his hands and he sat down and ate. And the people were mystified and confused. And they asked him, David, why do you do this now? He says, because there's nothing I can do now. I'm out of time. But guess what? Eventually, in time, I will be with my son again. That is my encouragement to those who are suffering in that kind of challenge of time. Have a true understanding of what God has set up. Have a true understanding that it is because of sin that these things happen all around us. And it's just simply for many of us to be reunited with those that we love. It's just a challenge of time. But my encouragement to you is keep walking the line. Don't stop. You are writing a story. You are writing an epic. And part of that sin and part of that sharp point of the spear that wants to, to get in and pierce your soul seeks to do so so you never get off the floor again. By the way, that was a challenging point for me to preach. But we see it straight out of Scripture. There's a reality to it, and we see it, I see it in front of me. I know who you are in this room today that suffer in this way. And there are many of us that will suffer in this way in the weeks, months, and years to come. This is a valuable point, the challenge of time. The beauty of time, Romans 5, 6 through 8. The beauty of time, how can time be beautiful? Well, it's interesting what, what God chooses to remind us of. Let's look at Romans 5, 6 through 8. Paul writes this in context to what we're talking about, the sinful world that we live in and how it seeks to take away our time. It seeks to destroy our time. It seeks to have us stop walking the line. It says, for while we were still weak, at the right what? Time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now that's heroic. That's heroic. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. You've heard the statement, in the nick of time. Think about where you would be today if this truth had not taken place in your life. Maybe for some of us today that are here in the room, this event has not yet happened because we've not chosen to accept it. Can I encourage you, you do not know where your end of your line is as you are walking it. I encourage you to understand the beauty of what God has set forth in motion. That His love knows no boundaries. He doesn't stop it. are you good enough for Him to love you? He doesn't stop at, have you not offended him enough that he would pull his hand of grace back? He just doesn't stop. He has an open-ended offering of grace to you, and it is your choice to act in faith towards it and then to live in it. That is the beauty of the time that God has given us. A time for everything, a time to realize what God has done and act upon it. The purpose of time. 
Ephesians 1, 7 through 10. I'll turn there. It's up on the screen for you. I love the first chapter of Ephesians. Uh, it is so inspirational. It, is so, um, it gives me great hope uh, and, and leads me to think appropriately in the span of walking my line. So again, in this idea of the purpose of time, why are we given time? So, starting in verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. This is exactly what we were talking about out of Romans 5, which He lavished upon us. That idea of lavishing is, is that uh, you're out to dinner with uh, your wife or your husband or maybe a date or just a friend, and, and somebody looks over at your plate and says, um, you going to eat all that? Or, um, can I have a bite of that? And you know how that works. You know, begrudgingly, sure, here, here's a bite. Gosh, you are so rude in your mind. You're like, really, really? Order your own, right? You know? And, and, but how many of you would give them the whole plate? Last night, I, I already alluded to the fact that we had a graduation um, for, for Gentry, and so I got here a little bit late, 10 o'clock. I started working at 10. So I was kind of out of time, <laughs> right? I was feeling the time crunch, kind of wanted to time out. Let's just fast forward to Monday, please, God. But God had His purposes. He had His purposes in that time because as I drove up, there was an individual walking slowly with a backpack on towards the offices. I'll call him Dave. He's probably in his mid-60s. Had a backpack on. Was not walking very easily. And as I got out of my car, he just very humbly looked at me. He had two empty plastic water bottles. And he said, Sir, I was hoping I could fill my water bottles here. Would that be okay? And I said, Well, first of all, you know, I'm Jeremy, and, and what's your name? And I don't have time to go through all the conversation, but this gentleman who at one point was a boy who went to school, who had a family at one point, he wouldn't even tell me his circumstances. But he just humbly, with his head hung low, came over to our water fountain and filled his water. I had just gone to McDonald's and I had two hamburgers and some fries that I have no business eating at 10 o'clock at night warm sitting in my car and as I'm driving I wasn't eating it because I felt convicted I'm like I should not be eating this late night but I've got to have so here's the rationale right I've got to work and I'm tired and I need fuel and you know the health food store was not open <laughs> right and so the Lord has His purpose because at just the right time He had me arrive so I could meet Dave. Dave. And so we're standing out here. He's filling the water bottle. And I said, would you like a couple cheeseburgers and a fry? And he just paused. And he said, sir, that would be wonderful. And I said, well, you can sit over here at these tables and if there's anything you need. And so... He came to me and knocked on the door after he ate the burgers. And he said, 
would you happen to have a garbage bag? Like a large garbage bag. And I said, I, I, I mean, we might, I'd have to, I'd, I think I can locate one. What, you know, are, do you have some trash you need or you, something you need to carry? He said, no. He said, I just would not like to lay in dirt tonight. Did you get that? <laughs> wow, that's bringing a point home. <laughs> what on earth? I got all these weird things going on in this series. He said, I would like to not lay in dirt. I've had a blanket sitting in the back of my car that we've used like 20 times in 13 years. And uh, I said, well, let me get you something, Dave. And I handed him a blanket, and he said, do you want it back? I said, no, no, no. God has his purpose. He has his purpose on the line that he sets us walking. The question is, what will we do? Will we listen to his purpose or our own purpose? What memories, moments, or monuments are we writing on our line? Let me close up this morning with the idea of hero. So honorable, Moses was honorable. We've read the, the passage, but the concept I want you to grasp is that Moses chose to embrace humility rather than entitlement. How many of us would be willing to do that? I wasn't last night because you know what I thought? I thought, this really stinks that I'm going back to my warm house, and I know where Dave's going to sleep. But did I go sleep with Dave? Did I go lay down in the dirt with Dave last night? No. I chose entitlement. Moses didn't. Moses threw it all away so that he would be honorable to the Lord and to the people that he came from. That was not easy to preach. Hebrews 11:24-26 By faith Moses when he was grown up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward remember that our timeline the line we're walking that line stops here but it continues in eternity and to quote another movie, great, great quote, what we do here echoes throughout eternity. It truly does. The Lord says, what did you do with what I gave you? I will hold you accountable to that. And based off of what we do in this timeline and how we walk that line, He may say, depart from me, you accursed. Or He may say something along the lines of, Welcome into your joy, my joy. Well done, good and faithful servant. Moses was honorable. He was equipped with faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. If I truly believe that God exists, if I want to please God, I'm going to walk my line a little bit differently. Doesn't that make sense? I'm going to, in the span of time that he's given me, in this, it's going to look a little bit differently with the memories and the monuments that I set up. 
Steps of faith help us walk the line. Faith is the common and most effective weapon of each hero listed in Hebrews. Resilient, he had courage. As a matter of fact, every single one of the individuals listed in the Hall of Fame or Hall of Faith demonstrates great courage. And so again, let's remind you how that, that exemplified itself. By faith, he left Egypt. There are some of us who are facing choices where we have to move. And that is a scary idea. That is a scary idea to think we've got to leave that which we know and, and pursue that which we do not know. We've got to uproot. We've got to set new, new uh, standards in our living. But Moses had courage. And I encourage you all to have that same courage as you walk your line. Because he who is faithful will be faithful to complete that work he has started in you. Amen? Amen. He didn't promise that I would have a four-bedroom house with a white picket fence and a crazy dog named Max. That's what I've got right now. And you know what? Both are a pain, the dog and the house. Let's just move on. <laughs> Moses makes courageous choices in the face of impossible challenges. Moses makes courageous choices. He leaves Egypt. He's not afraid of the anger of the king. He's resilient. He's walking a line that straightens out with each forward step. I love this picture. I don't know that I could have designed a better picture to talk about this idea of resiliency and courage. How many of your lives look like that, <laughs> that ball of line or whatever it is, right? But have you ever thought about it that unless you take the step of faith, it's never going to straighten out? If we don't keep moving forward, it just becomes this monster of the unknown that steals life away from us, steals the memories away from us, steals the monuments, the memorials away from us. But taking steps of faith takes that ball of, of line and straightens it out with every step, with every step. Kind of a nutty concept, right? But it requires faith in God. Optimus looking forward. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And I love this picture again of Moses before the burning bush. This is that invitation. It's the invitation looking to the one that is invisible is what the scripture says. The reason Moses was able to be courageous, be resilient, be an optimist is he had an encounter with God and he looked towards that and camped out on it. And his line now took a different course because he believed in the invitation that God gave to him. Did he still have to walk in faith? Every step. Was there still conflict and tension? Every step. But look at what happened on Moses' timeline. He believed the invitation. He lived for the confirmation, seeing God follow through with what He's promised. We're going to move into that direction as a church over this summer. And, and it's one thing to say, 
This is exciting. Let's move towards this. It's another thing to say, look, God is already at work. He's already doing this, and He's doing it through us. Look at how exciting this is. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking that line. Right? He felt the affirmation. Not the verse where he's quoted for saying, I'm sick of these people. (laughs) Not that one. Right? But the part where he understood who God was, where he understood his position, where he saw the nation of Israel get as close as Mount Nebo, when he got to hand off the leadership reins to who? Thank you. Because I drew a blank right there. I thought it was Joshua, and then I'm saying Caleb, and I'm like, wait, no, no, no. Thank you for the, the affirmation. See, a beautiful symbiotic relationship on my point. The hero I want to take you to today, the contemporary hero, is Amy Carmichael. How many of you have ever heard that name? Incredible lady. So part of our hero series is I always want to give you someone that's quasi-contemporary, but someone you haven't heard of that you can go back and you can look to and see the examination of, of their life. Amy Carmichael went to India and served for decades in a very dark, dark place as a single woman. She broke all the rules. And she walked a line with the time that God gave her that is manifested in, I would say, millions at this point. She has left a legacy for Christ. She did it right. I love this quote. Let us not be surprised when we have to face difficulties. When the wind blows hard on a tree, the roots stretch and grow the stronger. Let it be so with us. Let us not be weaklings, yielding to every wind that blows, but strong in spirit to resist. My goodness, I am inspired. I didn't read that purposefully until this moment so I could share the same experience you just did. Her line is filled with an incredible legacy because she is a hero. She is a hero. By the way, the thing I want to point out is we heard about Rahab. She was a prostitute. Amy Carmichael, nothing unique or special. She just had courage. These individuals that we're looking at, Moses was a Hebrew boy destined to be killed. I mean, he's got all the odds stacked against him, right? We can go on and on and on through these things because here's what happens so much of the time. We live vicariously through our heroes because we feel like we can't be heroic. We're not doing this series just so you can hear great stories. We're doing this series so that you can live heroically. Amen? We're giving you the concept straight from Scripture. You just need to draw not on something like this, but on something like that. And you all know where I'm pointing, right? Not the air conditioning unit. Okay? In closing this morning, let me read to you one more quote from Amy Carmichael, one who devoted her life to walking courageously and using the time that God had given to her to walk a line that changed the world. 
She says, blessed are the single-hearted, for they shall enjoy much peace. If you refuse to be hurried and pressed, if you stay your soul on God, nothing can keep you from that clearness of spirit, which is life and peace. In this stillness, you will know what His will is. When we talk about not having enough time for anything these days, does that not sound refreshing? I encourage you, work towards those end on, on walking your line. Integrate those still moments where you're engaging with the Spirit and suddenly that line will unravel from a tangled ball of twine into a, a taut tightrope of definition of memories, memorials, and monuments. Let me close in prayer this morning. Lord, use this morning this idea of time and all the complications of it, bring it down to some very simple thinking, Lord God, that you have given us a line to walk. You've said it before the creation of the world. You say, as Paul uh, elucidates to this in Ephesians 2.10, that you have created good works for us before the creation of the world. That we might work those things out, that we might manifest those things to your glory. Let us stay aligned with that and walk that line. So that even the common, even the ordinary, even those from Concord Bible Church can live as heroes in your eyes. Thank you, Father God. To you be the glory. Amen.